Hello everyone, welcome to the Luke Branquino Show. Welcome to the Luke Branquino Show. My next guest is Brock Reynolds on SEAL Team on CBS. What's happening, Justin? How you doing, man? Mr. Luke, how are you, sir? It's been a long time. Issue. Yeah, I know. I know. Last time I was there, you you actually had some chicken cooked, and that that wasn't that long ago, a couple weeks. I know. You got to come back. You got to come back to the Republic of California more often. I'm in the free state of Texas right now, buddy. What does it feel like to pay less than $3 a gallon for gas? What does it feel like to be able to go to a gun store and buy a gun? <laughs> what does it feel like to not worry about having your wife followed home and have your house stormed in a home invasion? Obviously, we have all that here. Nobody's going to want to drive through out here. But yeah, it's crazy, man. The, this whole situation out there, unfortunately, is is crazy. But um, and we get into that shit later. I want to talk about you, the man, and how we met, first off. I remember my mom was giving Whitney riding lessons, your wife, Whitney, obviously. Mm -hmm. And my mom's like, this guy that Whitney's husband's really into beef. And at that time, I just started selling Wagyu. And and um, sure enough, that's how we hooked up. Yep. Over a big piece of meat. That thing that that uh, it was a strip loin. You're a New York guy. That's that was your deal. Only strip loins. And he wanted them whole. You know, he wanted to cut his own thickness and make it how he wanted. And uh, anyway. That's that was our introduction. Then I sold you a cow, and you fed her out. We partnered on her. I got half, and she didn't taste near as good as that first strip one I sold you, though. No, you know that's the thing is, she was fucking hefty, man. I think <laughs> I think she was like nine twenty five dry. Like after we we pulled everything out, she was a, she was like twelve something wet. She was she was she was a hefty girl. Good thing I didn't cut her open when I wanted to because we just thought she was fat, but she was preggers. Yeah, right. That's right. She was bred and ended up getting another calf off her, which was, you know, more meat for the freezer eventually. But uh, sadly, that cow just died. Henry. Oh, was that the one that uh, that just up and died on you? Yeah, she wow. Yeah, she uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> a heifer named Henry. Um, yeah, <laughs> she she died. But I. I was able to recover her entire skull and jawbone intact before the coyotes did too much damage. So she will forever greet everyone who drives up onto El Rancho Dos Perros. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget the first morning I saw her. I was driving out on the backside. I saw something small move. I was like, what the fuck? And it, and it was a calf and I'm like, it had to have come. We had no idea she was she was and speaking of your ranch of those peros, that's what I want to get into. SEAL team, you got Dita the hair missile. Mm -hmm. That that she has been, I mean, for your family, how important has she been for your family? I mean, other than changing my entire life and getting me on television, I mean, she's just the best friend that like has gone absolutely everywhere with me. She's gone to Europe with me, never taken her to South America or Asia. They might eat her out there. Yeah, <laughs> ain't that some shit? She's just the best home dog. She she knows each kid by name. If I can't find a kid, I send her out and she tracks them down. She'll know if I say go find Henry, she'll go find Henry. If I say go find Lou, she'll go find Lou. If I say go find mommy, she'll go find mommy. If I say go find Bronson, 
She'll go find Bronson wherever they are in the house or on the property. And, you know, it's like when I'm gone in L.A. working, I'll leave my wife with a shotgun and a Malinois, and I'm not worried about anything. Like, she's, you know, she's covered. She knows how to, she knows how to handle that shotgun. She, the dog knows how to do the rest. So, I mean, we live out in the sticks, and, I mean, crazy people are everywhere, less here than in Los Angeles proper. But, you know, having the dog here with her when I'm gone makes me very happy. Well, yeah, and I got the pleasure of meeting her, and I mean, she is the sweetest thing, but I also seen you give them commands that turn them into a killing machine like that, and that is, that's as impressive as anything, and, and I know you have Pepper, um, which she's on the show with you now since Beats has retired, and uh, is she with you guys right now, or where's she at? Pepper's in the kennel right now, so Dita gets free roam of the house. Pepper, Pepper is... 20% more of a work dog than Dita. Like Dita can do all the things. Dita plays a great military dog, but Pepper would be a great military dog, if that makes sense. She's still very still very safe, but where Dita, I trust with my house, I trust with my children, I trust her to do absolutely everything and be, you know, which is hard to say when you're talking about an animal, how do you trust an animal 100%? I don't trust any. I trust Dita 99.98%. But I'm willing to put 300 grand on Dita that she's not going to nuke someone by accident if they come in the house. Right. I think if someone were to come in with the intent to do harm to my family and Dita picked up on my wife's fear, she would protect. But the same way, like your 13, 14 year old boy would go slug some dude in the face if he showed up on your front doorstep and mama was scared, you know? It's, it's cool like that, but Pepper Pepper lives in a kennel when, when, when we're not working, when I'm not around. You know, if I'm going to LA for the day, Pepper will get to ride in the truck and she'll roll with me, try to, you know, pull over somewhere on a beach and run her for a little bit or a park and run her for a little bit, find some training stuff to do. But yeah, it's, it's, it's very, don't ever get a Malinois as a pet. It's very full on. Uh, and it is a, uh, it becomes a lifestyle, not just a job. Well, I loved when we were out the arena and I know we have it on video and I'll have to get it to the crew, but when you came out to the house and, and put Tucker in the, in the fat boy suit, the padded mm -hmm. suit, I guess. And, uh, you, it was Pepper that took him down, wasn't it? That was Dita. That oh, was, was that Dita? Dita? Yeah. So, so any of your new cowboys next time you're here, you know, let them jump some steer and then let my dog jump them and we'll see how they do. <laughs> well, Tucker, it was surprising that, you know, ask him, you know, what did it feel like? He said it felt like a 400 pound man getting a hold of my arm and dragging me to the ground. And what, 60, how much she weigh? Pounds at 60 pounds at 35 miles an hour. Wow. That, that is crazy. But Tucker, he's, he's like, man, my shoulder hurts. But it was it was fun to watch. I know I know we got the video. I'll have to pull it up. But uh, man, that let's talk about some cool animals. And obviously, giving you so much of what you have now, as far as you know, even everything behind you right there. And you know, going through your bio, which I try to do on all my guests, and you left the nightlife service, food service, and and all that to go to Afghanistan to be a freelance photographer. I mean, just to obviously show your support, but show people what was the the shit that was going on out there. You know, it's listen, life can be very comfortable in New York City, in Los Angeles, in Texas, you know, like you know, we take so much for granted, just turning on your faucet and having water that you can drink, like, like even if it doesn't taste great, you can still drink it, you know, going to bed at night and being able to lock your door and like, you know, yeah, is there a chance that some crazy person is going to try and do something? Yeah, 
But like when you're in those countries, like, like waking up every day is is a luxury. So leaving leaving New York City and the comforts of it to go see what was happening in the world, yeah, it, it was it was to show the be able to show my world what was going on, but it's also for myself to learn and see. You know, we get so comfortable and we sit in our little world and our little bubbles. Life's too short for that. We could be dead at any time. So he said, take as much of life with you as you possibly can. Well, and what I appreciate about you, and I, and I know I've told you this, is your support for obviously being in law enforcement, but your support for law enforcement and the military uh, servicemen and women. Obviously, we can see the flags behind you and the, you know, everything you have there. That is something I feel like I wish more celebrities would embrace and, and show support. And now, now I know we have in law enforcement, you have a, one or two bad apples that make everybody look bad. But you, you get that in education, you get that in medical care. I'm sure you got a couple cowboys that are bad apples. <laughs> That's what I love about you is you always go after the positive side of it and the way you embrace and support these, like I said, these servicemen and women is huge. And again, I wish more people like you would, would do that. Thank you. You know, I wish they would too. And hopefully I inspire. If I can inspire one person to do it, then I've done my job on God's earth. You know, it's uh, treat people well and lead by example and try and inspire people to be better. If I can, if I can help one person see the light on that, I feel like I've done my, my part. So thank you for noticing, sir. Yes, yes, of course. And I know you've inspired more than one person, but if those people would inspire one person and then you get that snowball effect. Um, yeah. And you know, the, obviously the, the media outlets are going to shine light on whatever's going to help them get the highest ratings. And it's usually not the officer that helped the old lady across the street or ran into a burning building to save somebody. It's going to be, you know, something, something more tragic, unfortunately. Um, but with people like you shining light on all the positives is, is what makes the world go round for me. Obviously your wife was, is also in the industry. Uh, not as much anymore because raising little Bronson and, and Lulu and Henry and but you guys just got back from a well, not just but a trip from Jordan how cool was that when I tell you man I've traveled the world three times over and Jordan is one of those tiny little countries I missed on all three of those laps I've been in that region I've spent years in that region I tell you I've never fallen in love with a country you know I I, I should work for the board of tourism right now of Jordan because Man, you give me some pom-poms and I will do a cheer. Um, not big on Arabian horses, man. They're some crazy fucks. They are some crazy fucks. But I, I, I bribed some Bedouin to take his horses uh, out of Petra. And like, you know, they're like, $50, we ride you to Petra and down. And I was like, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $300 if you grab another horse so me, you, and my wife can go ride off and I don't want to see another fucking tourist today. And he's like, you ride horses? And I showed him a couple pictures from like where I ride out here, you know, in my backyard. And uh, and he's like, okay, be right back. And he runs, he gets another horse. And like, man, the terrain we were tackling with these horses, I, I, I definitely left some skid marks in my pants. I was like, <laughs> I was thinking about how they'd get a helicopter and to helicopter me out because I was gonna be that fucked up. But man, these horses were solid. And we went for three hours, didn't see any tourists. Like we, he took us to a down look on Petra. So we got to see like the monastery or the treasury. And then he like, we rode even further back up in the middle of nowhere. And I got a phone call and I had a bounce for work stuff. So he showed me how to get to the point where a car was going to pick me up. And like, we walked for 30 minutes and, you know, didn't see anybody and, and got in a car and drove back to work. But 
it was really cool. If it, you know, we had uh, like down in Wadi Rum. The next time I go down there, I made a friend named Abu Karim, and he's got Arabians in the middle of Wadi Rum, and he does all the endurance races. So next time I go, we're gonna go do like a three-day uh, supported, uh, you know, through the desert where we'll send a vehicle out with tents and food and tea and firewood, and we'll you know make camp every night. And and you know, Jordan, talk about Wagyu. Wow. Maybe one of the best steaks I've ever had in my life was in Aqaba, which is like the beach town of Jordan in the yeah. south. There was a steakhouse called Red, and I saw on the menu they had Jordanian Wagyu. Like, yeah, I want to taste it, but more importantly, I want to see what that fucking thing looks like raw. So, typical Melnick fashion, I'm like, hey, guys, marhaba, keep halak. And they, they took me into the kitchen. The chef showed me all the different cuts. I was like, this looks good. and and. The downside to Jordan, every steakhouse you go to, they cut it one inch thick. Oh, that ain't good work for you. No, it doesn't. So, so I was like, hey, charge me whatever you want, but I want, I showed him on the, the cut, on the primal. I was like, this is how much I want. Weigh it after, charge me whatever. I don't care. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so they brought it out. Uh, they cook everything. These ovens are awesome. So they cook over wood and coal, but it's in an actual oven. So they start the fire underneath the rack and they close it. It looks like an oven, but it's fire and coal or wood and coal. Uh, so they'll keep it with coal and then they'll add fresh wood into it to get the smoke. It was so good that the next night I dragged my wife back for the same exact meal. She's like, we're only here for two nights. I'm like, I have to have it a second time before I leave. Jordanian <laughs> Wagyu crushed it. What? Uh, so speaking of work, when you're in Jordan, how about the crew you work with on SEAL Team? I mean, they seem like great group of guys. I've met a couple of them. We had them out to the arena and met their families, and, and they just seem like good old boys. They are wonderful. I mean, when you talk about that show, there's 350 people that slug it out every single day. It ain't an easy show to make. Think about all the locations you see. The lights have to get out to those locations, camera equipment, craft services. I mean, believe it or not, don't tell anybody, but we wear makeup sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, like makeup artists having to hike up to the top of hills to do touch-ups of blood and dirt and things like right. that. You know, the good thing is, is most of the time we really do get bloody and we really do get dirty on the show. You know, I'll walk in after a weekend of, of, of brush clearing and I'll have like all the cuts and everything on my arm. And the artist is like, oh, those are great. Can we just leave them? <laughs> so, you know, but we get dirty as fuck on that show. We work our asses off. Every single person, whether you're lighting it, shooting it, acting in it, writing it, uh, directing it, you're in the thick of it. You know, the writers are on set with us out hiking through brush to get these shots. You know, it's, it, I take my hat off. I, I, I don't have much to compare to in Hollywood, but I can tell you this human wise like i don't know many humans the, the people that have stuck around for seven seasons and been there for everything they're a rare breed of human that i hope to have in my life forever because they are capable motherfuckers that's awesome how and what season are you guys shooting now we're gonna go into seven and a lot of i mean obviously you're in jordan shooting on location there but do you do a lot of stuff in la and studio there everything we shoot interior wise i'd say 95 percent of it is done on a studio so we, it takes us about eight days to film an episode. Two of those days are generally on soundstage, sometimes one. We do a lot of it on location. So most everything is about 40 minutes around LA, but we've gone as far as Jordan and Serbia. We've gone to Puerto Rico. Um, we've, done, we've done it everywhere. 
well, damn sure keeps you busy. And uh, <laughs> I know talking to you, driving from Woodstock Ranch in the beautiful San Inez Valley, where I was once a resident out. Uh, we actually ran cattle on on the property around you. and But driving down to LA back and forth can be a drag. I know just for me going to the airport, having to fly out was a pain in the ass. But you, you know, you have a place down there you stay or the studio put you up when you're down there for multiple days? No, it, it, I used to have a place down there where I stay. Now I try and come home as much as possible. My rule of thumb is if I can be there for dinner with the kids or breakfast with the kids, I come home. If I can tuck them in or wake them up, I'll come home. Even if I got to turn right around and go back. You know, it's only two hours each way. It's 112 miles for me. It's not a big deal. Uh, I generally can get done a, a ton of conference calls and uh, listen to scripts through audio function as I drive. So I make good use of the time. This is something I didn't ask you, and, and it's curious to me. Like each episode, you, you have a script. I mean, do you ad lib some of that, or is it like you buy the word? That you have to memorize so you know it depends who's writing the script and it depends who's directing it generally you know the intent of the script needs to be conveyed you know right uh, the writers of the show are essentially the commander-in-chief we serve at the leisure of executing their vision right but the director's job is to come in each episode and like paint within the circle they can't leave the lines of it right because you know the circle is established of what the show is, but as long as they stay within that circle, they can kind of have their own take on it. By season seven, all the characters are pretty, like every character knows what that character would do. Every person knows what their character would do in a situation. It's all been established. You know, in ways of the words, some writers are sticklers and they want the A's said and the twos and the thes. Other writers are like, hey, just get the point across. If you want to change the words because it's hard for you to say, go for it. Because sometimes things are written that like people just can't say it. But as an actor, it's our job to be prepared to say it the way the writers want it. To come across, yeah. Yep. It's important that it's good, but it's the most important thing is that the episodes are executed within the vision of the writers. Well, yeah, if you don't execute, you don't have a job. Yeah, I mean, it's a war show. There's a lot of bullets flying. It's easy to die. <laughs> Oops, one hit you all of a sudden. Oops, there goes Brock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still call you Justin when I watch the show, and then everybody's like, hey, Brock, or rounds. I'm like, that's not, that's not, that's not his name. That's right. just, that's just, that's just Justin, the best meat, second best meat cooker I've been around. Who the fuck makes a better steak than me? Fritz? He's pretty good, but I challenge <laughs> Fritz to a steak off. <laughs> I don't know. That night we were at um, at Anthony's house when Jared was there. That was mm, some of the best steak that I think I'd ever had. No, so I've learned a lot from Fretzy. I've added a few little twists of myself. So Fretzy doesn't like the smoke in the meat. So Fretzy's all about cooking on coals and keeping the smoke off of it and keeping the meat pure and clean. So is that more indirect heat? Uh, no, it's more it's 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 more burnt down. Just burnt uh, down embers. Me. I'm constantly throwing fresh wood on and I'm smoking the meat before I actually start searing it. So I'll go high off the fire and I'll like, I'll go as far sometimes to soak oak and throw wet oak on to get that smoke up in there. Well, that oak's hard to beat. You can't find much of that here in Texas, by the way. You know, smuggle it down, man. Throw throw a couple cords in a, in a horse trailer and go. It's only California that cares about what you bring into the state. <laughs> But yeah, that and then that same night we had, and I can't remember, Lincoln was a pastry chef. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. And I try to think what it was. Fretzy is is no doubt the best chef I have ever had a steak from. And I met him earlier. I met him years ago. We reconnected up here and it took us like two dinners to realize that we had actually met before. And someone took me to one of his steakhouses in LA and it was the best steak I've ever had. And I went back in the kitchen and he organized like a, a, a steak tasting for me. So I went back there and linked up with him and like tasted all these different kinds of beef and cuts and purveyors and all that. And this was like 10 years ago. And he's he's still there at uh, Coast Range with uh, Anthony, right? Oh yeah. They just opened up an awesome restaurant, a Mexican restaurant as well. In in San, in Salvador? Yep. Where'd they open that up at? Just like literally right down the street. I'll have to try that out next time. Maybe I'll take you to lunch. I'd love that. Hey, I've been wondering this whole time, where do you buy your deer antlers from? Uh, ha, 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 ha. Those are harvested from the land I harvest them. But thanks. You, you want to get you some? I know a place. No, but I take some venison jerky if you make it. <laughs> How about some elk? I got two elk coming down from Montana. Did you bag them yourself? They're, yeah, they got, no, they got processed up there. Oh, yeah, I bagged them, yes. Bow or gun? Bow. Nice. I want to come shoot my Hoyt with you. No, I'm a PSE guy or a bear, sorry. But I'll let you shoot your Hoyt. That's a, I appreciate that, sir. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you eat what I kill with my Hoyt. <laughs> you did mention, you know, buying a gun in the state of Texas and walking in and walking out with it, which obviously they go through all the, the proper checks and uh, background and FBI and um, anal rectal anyway all that stuff but you get to you get to walk out with it i did just get a ar which is armor light rifle not assault rifle which obviously you know that with a um thermal scope on it so i'm excited because the pigs have been tearing stuff up everywhere around here so i'm excited to to get to go out and experience that let let me know if you need some help eradicating i'm always down to to, to shoot some pigs these are what you need to get next right here that looks like out of my pay range. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but Big Tim, Big Tim, we have a we have a common, I guess, a common person. You spent some time in Heiko because of an ex girlfriend and her family, right? Yeah. Heiko is awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to, find, to get to meet Big Tim. I just obviously with everything going around on around here so much, but uh, so you do have a connection here. You'd be able to get get around decent. Oh yeah, I've spent I've spent a couple, I've done a couple trips to Heiko. Um, it's beautiful country. I could have lived in Heiko very happily. Um, you still can. Uh, yeah, I still can. I, I I'm kind of stuck in California, but you find me 200 acres down there. I'm in. Got it. I'll send you the paperwork as soon as we get off the phone. <laughs> Jeremy Rogers is watching this, and he's gonna give me a call. I heard you're in. Sign this right here. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of people are getting through to Jeremy. Well, you got work gloves. What, uh, what do you got there? I was wondering if you've ever used these ridge cuts before. Uh -huh. Oh God, I absolutely love them. Every time I go, every time I go to Tractor Supply and they've got a pair in my size on the wall, I'll buy. I'll leave one pair on the wall just in case somebody needs them in a pinch. But I will buy every other pair up, and I just stock them in my house. So I'll go through a pair of work gloves a month. Yeah, maybe maybe Ridgeline needs to up their game. No, dude, I'm I'm out. Dude, I work. But diesel fuel gets on them. Gasoline gets on them. Two-stroke gets on them. Shit just eats away at leather. Oh yeah. You know, plus you know, chopping down trees, splitting wood. I got delicate hands, so I wear I wear them for everything. I got them Hollywood soft hands. <laughs> no, they hold up pretty well. 
I'm also not like a cowboy that will hold on to a pair of gloves until it's like, until they're gone. Like if there's even <laughs> the slightest hole that starts coming up, I throw them away, you know why? Because I can afford the 19 bucks to buy a new. <laughs> uh, well, man, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to coming out and seeing you guys. Uh, bring Lindsay and the boys up, have some dinner. Come with stay you with us, man. We'd love to have you. Yeah. And uh, tell Wit and the kids and everybody hello and uh, try not to float away. Likewise. Send my love to everyone down there. Will do. Thanks, man. Take care, bud. Hey, I'm Justin Melnick, and hey, why do you gotta interrupt me? Let me go again.